halfway there. You either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death. All the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy. Squeaking more than a dolphin. Rolling at the kids, soiling undies with skids. Wondering if we fucked it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Hey, halfway there listeners. Psst, lean in. Join us for a demystifying discussion with New Yorker Jennifer Gordon Thomas about surviving cancer and menopause. We're lucky to have her on to talk about two total taboos that almost all of us will be touched by at some point in our lives. Jen keeps it really, really real and generously shares her journey with us and you. Keep in mind that her experiences with both cancer and menopause are uniquely hers and might be different from the next person's. That said, sit back and enjoy our chat with Jennifer Gordon Thomas. Hi, I'm Camila Fantasia. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor. Hi, I'm Jenny Tare, and this is Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. And we're very lucky this week because we have another Jen with us. <laughs> Jen Yay. Gordon Thomas. Yay. All the gens. Yeah, Jen. Yeah, Jen. Woohoo. You're Surprise in New York. Surprise appearance by Aniston later on. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll all oh, get a God. delivery of smart water. Remember when oh. she was hawking that? No. They're all hawking She hawks something. a lot of things. She I know. many things. Yeah. Have you noticed how many um, celebrities hawk uh, big cryptocurrency now? Oh, my gosh. The mat of Damon is killing me. It's killing me. Reese Witherspoon killed me the other day. Oh, I was God. like, you people are so rich. Why do you have to like do Trump University in your own life? <laughs> and it's and and it's a pyramid. It's a ski. It's a it, no. It's fucked up. It's not going to age we well. Anyway, up. what's that, Kim? Two crypto bros approached me and um, were trying to recruit me, and I realized that it's totally a, a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Totally. The, the Bitcoin. It's a multi-level marketing scheme. So, Jen, you're in New York. I am. I'm in Brooklyn. How is it? Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Oh, God, I miss it. Oh, um, I'm very happy to be here with you on your podcast. I'm very, I'm very um, excited for all my friends that are doing something creative. And podcasts seem to be like a good thing to do during a pandemic. This was Whatever. totally a pandemic lark yeah like many like many podcasts they started as hey our conversations are really interesting and other people really ought to hear them let's record them and release them i mean we are depriving the world of these pearls that are just falling into the void get it on tape so so many pearls so little time Uh, Basically, what Camila is saying is we're narcissists who thought (laughs) we should be recorded. We're all theater kids. (laughs) We're all theater kids at heart. Exactly. Speaking Um, of, and we're we're all sorry. We're gonna have this delay because I'm an um, bum fuck. um, I mean, it's very nice on the east coast of Barbados. Really, I'm sorry, Kim. I don't want to hear any like, oh, I'm in Barbados and my technology doesn't work. And I was in a a haunted cottage on the sea today. (laughs) And oh, life is so hard. Wah, wah, fucking wah. (laughs) I'm in the haunted cottage right now. And uh, and ghosts. Uh, last night I, I had some really freaky dreams. I can say that much. Um, like, well, I, I believe, well, I dreamed about somebody who died recently and it seemed really real. So I don't know if that counts as ghosts, but it definitely, this place has a lot of like old energy. Was it Betty Um, White? It was Betty White. Okay. Yeah. That's a great dream. Yeah. She sat on the side of my bed with a slice of cheesecake, which was <laughs> amazing. Um, <sighs> no, it was like an old friend, but it was weird. It's like they don't, it would, 
I guess when you're a ghost, you can you can be anywhere you want. Like, oh, like, let me just go see what she's up to in this cottage on on the sea in Barbados. So that was cool. Yeah, maybe the cottage is like built on a the, a burial ground or or that, something that where there's some energy coming out of the earth that a, a ley line. It's one of those ley lines. Yeah. Are you guys yeah. saying that ghosts are the original metaverse? And um, and Mark Zuckerberg is actually that's right. He's yeah, he's a poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that would explain so much. Yeah, meta. Um, speaking of meta, so Jem, we want to get a little <clears throat> bit into your life. So you had a story, a New York story of being young and uh, working jobs and struggling and being poor and having fun, I'm sure. Um, Like all of us on this podcast, we've all known each other for ages. Um, We wanted to talk about like some of the um, developments that have happened, you know, in the last few years. Um, When did you discover uh, that you had cancer? And what was that like? This is a funny story or not. Uh, I love massages. I go to the cheap Chinese Qigong places here in Greenpoint. I always have for years, Um, especially if you're an admin, you're sitting in a chair all day long and you're, you know, your body gets sore from sitting. And so um, I had worked particularly hard. Um, This is in April of 2019. Uh, I had worked particularly hard that week because my boss was flying to Switzerland to attend a conference and then was going to meet his family in Mexico for a vacation. So I got him. I knew he was flying Saturday. I worked kind of, I probably worked until like, I don't know, late, probably six or six 30 on a Friday. And I slept in, I slept in. I was, I was, I surprised myself because I like to sleep in, but I slept in until like one o'clock on Saturday and I woke up and I got my coffee and I looked at my phone and there was a text from my boss and I was like, Oh shit, what's happened. So it says, Jennifer, please call me when you can. So I call him long story short. He's a, he's, um, he's Australian and he had left his um, green card at home Oof. and he would um, he, be, with Trump and everything. He was kind of worried about um, going uh, not so much going from Switzerland to Mexico, but from Mexico back in to the U.S. when they had to come back. So he wanted me to make arrangements with his neighbor to pick up the green card and FedEx it to him and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yes, I will reached out to the neighbor I'll meet you on Monday blah blah so I'm like all right I'm gonna go off I'm gonna it was a nice day actually I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna have I'm gonna get something to eat I need I want to buy some new sneakers and I want to get a massage I never like to eat before I get a massage so I went to buy them the sneakers and then I went to get the massage and I was on the table and it was a new place brand new like I don't know spa palace um I get on the table. Originally named. It's always <laughs> yes. some, some palace. It's some yeah. palace. Ray's yeah. original yeah. massage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on the table for maybe 15 minutes and I start to feel like gassy. Like, like, oh, I have a, like, am I going to fart on the, am I going to fart on the table? Oh, like, no. That's, ooh, it's like, like farting in yoga class. <laughs> yeah, but like, but more like gas pain. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, like the fart probably wasn't going to come out, but it felt like there was some gas in there. Yeah. And then another 10 minutes went by and it got worse. And then I was like, Oh my God, you have to stop. And I told the woman to stop. And I said, I, I have to go to the bathroom. And I wrapped, you know, my towel around me and I kind of stumbled out to the bathroom. I don't I, I, I tried to go to the bathroom. I'm not sure if I thought I was going to shit or fart or I I don't know what I thought I was going to do in retrospect I realized I was sick right Um, and all of a sudden I was just like sweating and in agonizing pain and kind of out of it 
And I, I, you know, I went to the bathroom, nothing happened. I wrapped my towel back up. I went into the room and I kind of sat down and then all of these <laughs> Chinese people came into the room and there was one older man and, and the woman, the woman who was massaging me said, she said, you have pain in stomach. He, he will fix. So he, he went to reach for me and I was, I don't know. My body was just like, no, <laughs> I was like, don't touch me. I'm leaving. I got to go. And they all, they all were all looking at me basically like, please don't die here. Cause it, I think it was very apparent that I was unwell. So I put my clothes on and I stumbled to the front and I paid them. I was like, here, they were like, you should go to the hospital. And I was like, I know, I know. I was only two blocks from my apartment. I stumbled home. I still didn't really understand. And I made some, <laughs> I make a piece of toast and some peppermint tea. <laughs> Cause I'm like, that will help my stomach. And I laid down in my bed with my kitty cat monkey with a heating pad on my belly. And I did fall asleep. I don't, I, I think it was maybe 30 to 45 minutes at the most. And I woke up and my, all I remember is my brain before you're kind of fully awake, you know, when your eyes are still closed and your brain is kind of telling you things, my brain said, um, you have to call an ambulance immediately or you're going to die. <laughs> wow. So oh. I got up and I put a bunch of food in monkey's bowl and I got a, I called an ambulance and I said, I'm having abdominal pain and it's very severe and I, something is very wrong. I put a bag with some underwear and some toothpaste in it. I saw the ambulance pull up. I locked my door. I walked out to them. So I go to Forest Hills Hospital and they I'm in the emergency room and they give me once they figure out I'm not a drug addict, they give me um, pain medication and test my blood. And I have super high white blood cell count and I'm really high because they've given me a lot of pain medicine and I'm so I'm sort of in and out dozing in and out and. And, and, you know, um, going to the emergency room in New York, I'm sure any big city is, this is hours now, right? So hours have gone by. It's right. now two, two o'clock in the morning. They send me for a CAT scan. And uh, the doctor comes into the doctor in the emergency room, comes into my sheeted area and says, I'm very sorry. Um, we found a mass on your uh on your CAT scan and your ovaries, and it's consistent with um, ovarian cancer. I'm very sorry. And he said it so like, um, I'm very sorry. It sounds like a death sentence. And I was so high, I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why are you saying it like that? You sound like a fucking actor on the fucking ER TV show. <laughs> and he was mortified and ran out of my cubicle. Like, literally, he didn't know what to do because I was like, you sound like a fucking asshole. Why are you saying it like that? I was so... So then... And now uh, they're dating. <laughs> no. Meet cute. Uh, <laughs> um, you so have cancer. What are you doing I, later? Yeah, exactly. Um, so then it kind of all, it, everything started to move faster. Um, except I didn't really understand everything. <laughs> I called my boss and I was like, um, hey, James, I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to be able to meet your neighbor to get, get your green card because I have cancer and I'm in the ER. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, oh my God Jennifer, don't worry about it. Anyway. You know, and I had to call my mother and tell her this. Um, anyway, I did all that. And then then they said, listen, uh, uh, Forest Hills Hospital is not a cancer hospital. We're a, we're a small community hospital. And we really, we need to send you someplace else. We want to send you to uh, Long Island Jewish Medical further out. And I was like, I want to go to Sloan Kettering. What about Sloan Kettering? <laughs> the guy was like, listen, you can't just roll up into Sloan Kettering. <laughs> it doesn't work like 
bad. There is no emergency room at Sloan Kettering. It's a private hospital. You'd have to have a referral to get there. And mm. I was like, um, messed up. Well, but it's not because I mean there are private hospitals, right? That's, that's yeah. There, there are. That's the way some hospitals work. Forest Hills Cancer Sister Hospital is Long Island Jewish Medical, which is a phenomenal hospital. It's a phenomenal hospital. And I I knock wood that I ended up going there. Um, I went there. They took me um, the next morning. And I had basically a consultation with a GYN surgeon uh, who is brilliant and an amazing doctor. And she said, oh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go in there. We're going to do basically an exploratory surgery to see what's happening. If I go and we're going to we're going to take a little bit of the mass that has been seen on the CT and we're going to test it right on the spot in surgery to see if it's cancerous. If it is cancerous, we will do a surgery right then. So basically, I want you to sign these documents that say, you know, it's okay for you to do this. And here are one of five things that might happen, right? We'll go in there. It's not cancer. It's a benign thing. We'll take it out. Uh, blah, 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 blah. One of them being it's cancer and we need to take out, we need to do a hysterectomy. So I was like, whatever, fine. Um, now I'm 49 years old when this happens. Um, they go in, they do the, um, they see the mass. And actually what had happened was my, the mass was about, I think, four and a half by six centimeters. So uh, a large mass uh, had ruptured through my ovary on the massage table. Oh my goodness. So the massage actually caused it. The manipulation, indeed. I mean, it was large, right? It was large. So it was probably already pressing very much against the wall of the ovary and the pushing on my back Oh, on the massage, right. ruptured the the mass through the wall of my ovary, and and it literally saved my life mm. Be- because um, most ovarian cancer, sixty percent of ovarian cancer, is not caught until stage three, at least stage three or stage four. Mine was stage one C, which is very treatable. The only way you could find out if you have ovarian cancer, honestly, is um, through a transvaginal ultrasound. Right. Um, okay. Have- this, but I, if I have this question, I can't put, be the only one. So what, <laughs> what is the pap smear testing for? I kind of always thought that ovarian cancer was part of that. Um, the scraping that they're doing from your cervix is it could be cervical cancer, right? It could be vaginal cancer. Okay. But cervical cancer is not the same as ovarian cancer. They're each cancer. So we're digressing a little bit here, but each cancer has a different blood marker in your blood. Right. But, but you don't get a blood test when you get a pap smear, right? Right. You don't get a, you don't get, um, Western medicine doesn't do a lot of screening like this, transvaginal, uh, ultrasounds and blood tests for particular, um, cancer antigens. They don't do that because it would cost a lot of money, right? That's basically right. what it is. Um, so the only way a person with ovarian cancer could find out they had ovarian cancer is if they had some symptoms and they went to the doctor and, um, or maybe if they had um, women who have fibroids often get um, transvaginal ultrasounds uh, at their annual GYN appointments because- I did get one. Um, I, I have a fibroid and I got one. Yes, yeah. yes. To make but sure otherwise you don't automatically get one. Right. It's not something they just automatically do. And that's the only, you know, unless on palpation, they actually feel a gigantic mass. They're really only feeling, you know, your vagina, essentially. They're not, they're not getting the interior. So 
other than other than what happened on the massage table, you hadn't otherwise because it was so early, you had no other symptoms, right? Well, in retrospect, I in retrospect, right? But I didn't, you know, I didn't. But not enough not that to interrupt I would your life. Indeed, not enough to interrupt my life. Like I was tired a lot. Now I should preface this by saying that every woman experiences um, perimenopause and menopause in different ways mm-hmm. uh, because you are losing a hormone estrogen you're you're having a fluctuation in hormones at a different rate than anybody else right so right. everyone's going to experience a different thing some people will notice a lot of things if you're very in tuned with your body some people will not notice anything you know my mother my mother um my mother told me that she went into menopause at, after after my little brother was born she was 38 she said I, and i never had a period again she was early menopause wow whoa and my, but that's all she said. She's like, I don't really remember it. Didn't seem like it was that bad. I don't know, whatever. I, 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 I have, I would probably beg to differ with her on that. Like <laughs> she had some mood, some mood things going on, right. you know, but I was a teenager too. And so, you know, I, I already had issues with my mother as a teenager. So, um, I, I don't know what I thought, but uh, I personally—I hate you, mom, and your menopause that <laughs> yes. you don't even know you're having. But you also just had a baby, so I'm like, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the fuck. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so I had some other I things feel going like- on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. I just I was remembering like a vague memory of like I feel like my mom went through menopause. She'll really appreciate me sharing this. I feel like she went through menopause for like fifteen years. It couldn't have been, but I yes, it could know have. I was aware. Yes, it could have. Really? Really. It it it, it legitimately felt like <laughs> like fifteen years of her going through it because I, I was aware of it at some time at some moment and I barely knew what it was and yeah it was a young so this teenager, is why I'm but- here to talk to you this is why I'm here to talk to you because women so rarely share with their daughters uh or women in general hopefully this is changing somewhat talk about menopause they don't talk about menopause they don't talk about perimenopause and so you know you saying she couldn't have possibly been going through menopause for 15 years and me saying yes she could because that's the way it works but she never told you that and how where else are we going to get this information but from our mothers or other women who have gone through it i'll say this my mother never talked about menopause ever not most women never mentioned the word no oh she maybe occasionally she'll be like she would be like oh i'm hot i'm sweating i uh, oh gosh i sweat more but that was it crave chocolate all the time well she didn't crave chocolate but she was like she'd be like oh gosh sweaty you know that was about it that's the extent of it it's unfortunate it's like a taboo and uh, it's an it's very unfortunate because you as a um as a as a person with a uterus <laughs> you are going to spend more than half of your life depending upon how how long you live in either perimenopause and or menopause and so to go into that amount of <laughs> the rest of your life with not having any idea what the fuck is going to happen to you and just let it happen is really sad. It's a really sad state of affairs. And unfortunately the United States, um, well, I mean, maybe it's a lot of, it's, uh, it's worldwide probably, but, um, women somehow think that their life is like over, you know, yeah. Menopausal when they're going through the change. And I, that's a societal thing and it's very sad that women are walking around like not being able to talk to each other about this and find out what's going on did you bleed like like an incredibly large amount like anytime i go to like you know during my period it's like a scene out of out of what's the movie with the scary Scream. twins? Oh, no, Shining. The Shining. It is a scene from The Shining. It's terrible. It's terrifying, actually. Um, 
So I'm I'm ready for the menopause. I'm ready for the actual pause. Okay, hold up, girl. Hold up. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. Okay. Tell me why. Well, yeah, so, yeah. Tell, I'm, I'm literally sitting. I'm literally. I'm literally sitting on two magazines and three hotel towels right now. So I don't. Stand yeah, out. I'm curious. What What do you think that the? I, I'm curious what you feel like women should prepare for in terms of all of it. Their all right. of estrogen or their period or like what is? Yeah, I'd like to actually Me? hear what I should prepare for okay. i'm pretty sure i'm perimenopausal i i it's been i'm due for how a old are you 46 how old was your you don't know when your mother i have was. no idea she never talked about it okay so it's all it's shrouded in mystery i can i can assure you you're perimenopausal almost um, most women um go into menopause and, and menopause is considered one year no period by 51. Oh, wow. And you're generally, most women, a perimenopause can be, it can be anywhere from depending upon how early it starts for you. And, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pinpoint that, but most women will feel a, most, if you're sort of in tuned with yourself, you'll feel some changes, right? Like maybe your period will get lighter. Maybe it'll get heavier. And it, that may happen a several times during the course of perimenopause. Right before menopause, it may get super gushing. You know what I mean? But a wow. whole, it has to be a whole year of no periods before you're considered uh, in menopause. I had for many years um, night sweats where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be like, so fucking hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> just like kicking off everything and just being like, drenched with sweat i've been having night sweats myself you have menopause clearly there you go so and you're well, moody you could carry menopause you, probably. Could, you yeah. could be having you could be having fluctuations in your testosterone and that's the thing we're not just having fluctuations in our estrogen we're having fluctuations in our estrogen and our progesterone and our testosterone right they're all doing these things right so um I had, you know, night sweats in retrospect was a symptom of perimenopause for me. I also started to get like, I almost, this is a weird thing, but I could almost feel like I'd have a little bit of pain during when the egg was moving down <laughs> to, to go become yeah. a, um, I almost pictured it and I'd be like, Oh, I have a little pain. Um, and I pictured in my head, like my egg slowly, like going down the, the tube to become my period and feeling it. Like I physically felt it. I never felt that in my teen years or my twenties or anything, but in my, in my thirties, I started to feel this. That's because God um, is angry with you for, for like having missed the opportunity to make children not, spread them not across the pregnant. earth. Yeah. I was going to say, in, hearing all of this, it makes it even more incredible that so many women now get pregnant, you know, have these geriatric pregnancies. No, it doesn't. Because when you go into perimenopause, your hormones fluctuate, right? So your really fertile time is like your teen years through your 20s, right? And then it drops off until yeah. you get to right before menopause, your, your perimenopausal stage. Because you sometimes have shooting fluctuations of estrogen. And if you're having sex right at that time, you can get pregnant. Well, yeah, no, I, I can definitely see. So it's sort of so, like everything's going haywire. Everything's going haywire. Everything's going haywire. And you get your mother had the, I mean, um, <laughs> night sweats and, um, just breaking out in hot flashes. Hot flashes are awful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. They're very uncomfortable. Um, there is vaginal dryness. So there is a thing that happens, right? When you have, um, when you're in um, a sexual encounter 
whether you're male or female. And that is when you get aroused, um, there is moisture, wetness, wetness happens. When you have had your uterus, fallopian tubes, ovaries, and cervix removed, or when you have gone through completely menopause and you don't have any estrogen left anymore, there is zero wetness. Zero. So you're so my so it's point is very dry. Very dry. But but not only that, right? I'm a single woman, right? I'm not in a relationship right now. And the next person that I want to have sex with, I'm going to have to have this conversation, right? With them because because when you have sex with someone you are used to a body responding in a way that you have seen it respond to in the past. Yeah. My body's not going to respond that way. I asked my, I asked, I asked my surgeon, I was like, so what about sex? And she was like, shit, tons of lube. I was going to say, um, I, I, a lot of sex experts, sex experts are, are huge proponents of lube, even for people who are still, moist down there and and absolutely but kim it's very easy to say that sure i'm a fan of lube i'll use lube before i had a had a hysterectomy but it's very different to have gone through a surgery that removes all of that removes your uterus because right because sex is a very um you know, it's a very intimate thing, right? I've had casual sex before and I, and I realized and I've had some great casual sex and not like, I'm not talking about, and no offense to anyone who I'm not a go pick up someone from a bar and I need to, I need to know somebody a little bit, but you know, like not in a relationship or not all up in each other's, you know, some, a little casual sex is fun here and there. And I realized like, I am never going to have casual sex again because that is a convert that there, there needs to be a conversation there. Right. I mean, I guess I could just be like, Hey, lube that shit up. <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. Um, but there's also a thing that happens, you know, when you have sex where you do kind of want to please each other. And if, and there are certain key cues that you are pleasing the other person. Right. Yeah. And wetness is one of them. And if that's not going to happen, you as an you as a person participating in this also want to please your partner. And so, I think you know the pleasing position would be to be, hey, it ain't going to happen because I had this thing happen, right? right. So it, it ain't. It's not you. It's me. So bring on the lube. Yes, but I haven't had that conversation yet, and it's. I know it's going to be hard, right? Yeah. I have a question. It's not something do, I'm going to want to do with a random person. Do men get drier too? That I well, don't know. This is a really, this is, it's interesting to hear. It's, this is kind of a bridge that like gay men cross very early on. Yeah. It's just, it's part of the vernacular. I mean, like lube is in the conversation from the get go. So, so it's interesting to hear sort of having to approach it later in life. Whereas, I mean, in the gay community, there's just like these, you know, the boy butter buckets, <laughs> just to get graphic. <laughs> like it's just yes, yes. these like ludicrous amounts of lube that you can purchase. Um, hi, mom. Uh, my mom hi, is a Tina. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that, that, you know, if somebody, because there are people who would, I have had this experience, other people have, they're, they're like, I'm going to go in raw. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, no, you're not. This isn't some like 1970s porn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Yeah. But I think what you're describing, Jen, is just these things that you, for lack of a better word, it's you take for granted, right? It's just your body. Absolutely. My body. And you having to accept that it's not going to produce in the same way is tough and that there there's you have to expect a period of kind of mourning oh it's absolutely mourning i'm not gonna lie (laughs) 
Like yeah. I'm still, I'm still going through, like trying to figure it out all. Um, Can I um, ask so, you mm-hmm. with all of this, with all, everything you learned and this experience, do you, I mean, I, this is the corny, obvious question, but how do you think it's affected your view on life and death and the pandemic? I mean, well, you know, I mean, this happened to me in April of 2019 and I finished chemo um, at the end of 2019 and I went back to work for maybe a couple of months and then we went into lockdown. Then we went into a pandemic and I, so I was home, you know, um, almost all of 2019 prior yeah. to going into a now two, two year pandemic. Um, I, how has it changed? You know, again, I'm a kind of a weird bird because I've experienced a lot of death in my life and I've always had a, um, you know, I've kind of always been someone who, um, you know, tell the people that you love. Yeah. That you love them. Yeah. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Sorry. I cry very easily. Um, so I've been this way for, you know, I lost my, I lost my best friend, Adam, who I moved to um, New York and slept on his couch. Adam was killed in 2005. He was hit by a um, police car in Harlem, speeding. What? Oh, God. Um, Yeah. Sorry. That's horrifying. Horrifying. Um, And then my little brother died in 2007, two years later. And I, uh, you know, I had my best friend in high school. um, (laughs) My best friend in high school committed suicide on New Year's Eve. So I've had some death in my life, you know what I mean? And like, I've been sort of, um, uh, I've been around death and, um, I I mean, I don't know, like, uh, putting the whole dot, somebody's knocking, is there ghosts knocking on the door? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Betty White, Betty White needs the room back. Betty has come, come. um, She's like, it's checkout time, baby. <laughs> check out time. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't think I was going to die. I didn't. I don't know why. I just didn't. And I think when you're fighting cancer, you can't think that, right? You just can't. Right. You can't. And I knew it was stage one. When I before before I got start have, having to go through chemo, I knew it was stage one C. So I had a better. I knew it was treatable. Right. Um. I just did what I had to do. I had to lose my hair and I had to take chemo and it was painful. And, um, you know, it's really fucked with my body a lot. And the, and the surgery fucked with my body a lot and being plunged into menopause fucked with my body a lot, but I didn't die, you know, gasping for air from COVID. Yeah. 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 And I, I, you know, so I've always been someone who is like, um, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and I tell people, um, exactly how I feel. And, um, that hasn't really changed. (laughs) That really hasn't really changed. And if anything, um, it's kind of made me selfishly sort of happy that maybe the pandemic has made other people kind of do the same thing. Not that I want to see anyone die or get sick, but like if everybody beca- could become a little bit more um, compassionate and aware of the fragility of life and um, understanding that people are struggling and fighting and sick. Some of them are very, very sick. Yeah. Maybe there would be a little bit more compassion. And I, I'm really blown away. I have to tell you, as someone who um was immunosuppressed the whole time I was in cancer treatment I am really blown away by people who just really apparently do not give a flying fuck about other people Mm. yeah this COVID the COVID situation and the vaccine and everything has been a really uh an eye-opener to me about many things but um how many sociopaths or narcissists or um insane people or people um in a 
drinking the Kool-Aid and a cult or really, I mean, I just don't even know. I guess this is, I guess this happens with pandemics, right? I've been doing some history reading. It does happen, but I am so uh, blown away by just sort of the lack of care for other people. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I moved to Vermont, uh, obviously like a year ago, um, and we're on a college campus, but I've told Camilo and Kim this, but I worked after my unemployment, unenjoyment ran out. I got a job briefly at this hotel, local hotel. And rural life is really hard. Like we've not made it easy for people here um, in this country. And so many people I talk to have multiple, they've seen a lot of death. Like I worked with a 20 year old who was like, oh yeah, this person in my family overdosed and my best friend overdosed and, you know, they're rattling off all of these deaths. And I think for a certain segment of the population, there's been a rolling pandemic for 20 years and it's been opiates. It's been um, deaths of despair. I mean, this is well-documented and a pandemic is just not as scary I, that was that was my takeaway. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily even selfishness. It's just they've seen a lot of death. It's a lot of it's come from institutionalized forces like you only need to wa- like read about the Sackler family and the FDA. And we've just cor- our institutions are so corrupted and people just don't trust them. You know, there's so many factors, but that was one big takeaway for me. I was like, wow, my my is... little brother died of an opioid overdose. Um, Allentown, Easton, Pennsylvania, that area, much like Vermont. There's a there's a heroin highway. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, um, the heroin came through, and then the opioids came through. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. But again, I come back to. There are people who have cancer who are in chemo. And so not only are you saying that it's not so scary to you, but you're like, but fuck, but fuck those other people too. I think the language around vaccination in the United States is probably not the education and language. I think people think it's for them. I don't, I don't think that people fully understand and the message hasn't been loud and clear. This is not for you. It's for everyone else is why you're doing it. I was reading about like a small village. I grew up in Spain. And so I pick up the Spanish news and like everybody's vaccinated and boosted and everything. And it was just like these, you know, these talk about rural people who allegedly are the least educated or whatever. They said, we are protecting our community. So we're all getting vaccinated. Right. And it's like, they get it like that's why you get, get the it. vaccine and that's why 90 something percent of the country is vaccinated fully and i want to make an addendum that being said about vermont it's one of the highest vaccination rates yeah. in the country yeah. it's nearly 80 percent here but why is it, but it's like 90 plus percent in countries in europe you know yeah like, yeah well we've also been we have literally been flooded with misinformation uh, dis- disinformation like purposeful disinformation campaign has been run to get people to <laughs> not comply with evidence-based science not to believe in evidence-based science i just don't understand it i mean i do understand it i do understand why it's being done but it is it is a definite disinformation campaign and it's reached a lot of people yeah you know um, and i just want to say um beyond all of this i want to say for the women right because we did a covered a lot of things here like menopause is not easy perimenopause is not easy you're gonna have hot flashes you're going to have night sweats you're going to gain weight around your middle and your boobs and there's nothing you can do about it and when you go oh my boobs will get bigger (laughs) it's not that it's not that great it's not that great right you're actually now that you have that weight around your middle that you won't be able to lose no matter what you do you are actually at higher risk for heart attacks and strokes let, it was let me the tell good you stuff. let me tell you about a vibrating belt that i've heard about 
have to start lifting weights so that you are not losing muscle mass. You will probably need to take vitamin D because your vitamin D will plummet. Um, your estrogen, your progesterone, and your testosterone will all fluctuate in varying um, rates at varying times, which means your skin will begin to sag. Your give us the light, Jen. The hairs, <laughs> the hairs. You'll be plucking hairs out of your either your um, areola or your chin. Um, you will have all of the above and below. I have to Bring say, a retractable mirror in on every trip. I, I will, have to you say, you will get peach fuzz on your face. You you will literally begin to have like downy fluff on your face. But okay, what? Tell us one good thing. What? What is there any? I will there... tell you one good thing. Okay, I feel like I'm at a, a sphinx, like a riddle. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, here's one good thing. The one good thing about menopause, about perimenopause and menopause is that if you are if you are paying attention your body and your mind are screaming at you to slow down and pay attention and to take care of yourself so if you are someone who is a caregiver or your job is very caregiver related like you're a um well, you know, I'm an admin. Admins have to really fucking take care of a lot of people because they're baby men a lot of the time. Um, or nurses or mothers. You really become very clear about what it is you need to take care of yourself. And you really start um, putting in boundaries and um, asking other people to pick up the slack and just not being down with other people's bullshit. A great thing happens when you get, this is why you get these, uh, I used to wait on tables in a diner when I was in high school and these little old ladies would come in, you know, little old ladies, they would come in together and their all their husbands had already died, right? So this is the thing that's gonna happen with most older women is you're gonna outlive all the men anyway. So make you some good girlfriends and keep them for a long time because the men are gonna die first. And just like that. And just like that, uh, they drop dead on their Peloton. <laughs> um, and they would come into the to the diner and they would get their coffee and they would be like, and I want this coffee to be half decaf and half regular coffee. And then I need you to bring me two creamers, half and half and one milk. If you bring me a coffee that is only decaf or is only regular, I will know and I will come to your house and I will find you. What happens when you get older is you ain't got time for anyone's bullshit. You as an older woman are just like getting out exactly what you need to say, <laughs> what it is that you want. And this is very hard for women. I mean, it, particularly in this society is like women are not often um, supported in expressing their own wants and their own desires. And what happens with menopause is that you don't really give a fuck about any other person's wants or desires, but your own, because you've been doing it for other people for so long or deferring your own wants and needs for so long that you recognize menopause as a time to take care of yourself. So that's the, that's the silver lining, Jen. The silver lining so is what you're going she's saying to give is yourself Get ready for your spa days, lady. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, as several relatable things in there, but I have to say, the plucking of random hairs that shouldn't be in places is one of my <laughs> joys. Oh, it's God. so much fun. And I'm going to, I'm sorry, Jim, but Jim gets like these really thick uh, hairs on the tip of his nose. And I'm always oh, like, please let me tweeze that. Oh, oh, so, we all have so our enjoyable. <laughs> Well, I guess on that note, the plucking of hairs is where we're going to end this episode. And um, <laughs> I mean, on that image. We plucked all the answer. information out of it. 
Yeah, you answered. If anything, I feel like you've opened up so many. I mean, I feel like I want to do research and also go to the doctor. I really am like, uh, it's time to get that check up. Um, Well, on that note, again, this has been really interesting and informative. And uh, our listeners should, I'd be curious to hear other stories about people's like menopause experience. Uh, um, Our listeners out there um i hope this has been helpful it has been for me and very eye-opening also Um, listeners if you have menopause do you have men on pause i've been saving that one all day long that's great i would like to know also where people are plucking those hairs from (laughs) yes um Uh, i'm sorry if i waxed on and on i know we've gone extra long here and i've given you i will talk about me and my cancer and my dry vagina and my menopause whenever anyone wants to hear it. And sometimes Jen, it's time for a one person show. <laughs> one person show. People what happened were, to me on the way to the massage table. Our dry vaginas. Yeah, Listen. they wanted to hear about a different dry vagina for once. Yeah, absolutely. One dry vagina is not like the other. I don't know. I just More Sondheim. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, so beautiful. That's going to be Frozen 3. <laughs> then the, then the we, like age, to, we have a little... Age. We have a little tagline... Um, which might be kind of ironic in light of everything that we've talked about, but it's keep it perky. Can you um, take us out with a keep it perky? I mean, the difficult part with this, Kim, right now is that your boobs right now are just like on point. They're like, right. Just look at Kim's boobs and say it. Right now, as we speak, they've gotten 45% larger. You got the period boobs. You got the period (laughs) boobs, girl. This is is a progesterone. I found out is like your boobs get, um, if your progesterone is a little bit higher than your estrogen with the levels, the boobs get bigger. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. But, but apparently the they bre- get bigger. Here's another thing. Did you realize that they actually keep growing? Like, this is why old ladies have gigantic boobs that go down, like almost to their belly is because your boobs, your boobs and your nose and your ears keep fucking growing. Like Wonderful. Like, oh, my God. It's insane. Anyway, keep it perky. <laughs> keep it perky. Keep it perky, everyone. Follow us on the social social media. So so media. Sorry, I'm having dinner, guys. It is. So it rude. is the. It is the so so media. The so so media. Pretty apt. Um, follow us at halfway there the podcast at gmail.com and on other platforms. Camilo, email us at halfway there the podcast at gmail follow us on the i'm confused because kim said an email while saying the socials Her mouth is i full said of food. follow us at you know they put it together yeah we have a I, smart audience they knew what i meant and um but no we really enjoyed having you thank you so much jen thank you guys um, really great to be with you and um uh, hap- very happy to join you and nice to meet you um camilla and um jen and kim love you babes <laughs> thank you thank you this has been halfway there but it's also the end the end of this episode of halfway there you get it <laughs>